Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. I'm going, to attempt, I'm going to attempt to read a text here. I'm going, to, I'm going to speak today on the pattern of Christmas. I'm not going to be lengthy, but I'm going to talk about the pattern of Christmas, the pattern of Christmas. And I'm going to the book of Matthew, chapter number 2. We're going to read 1 through 12 in the NIV, and it'll pop up there on the screen. Matthew, chapter 2, verse 1 through 12 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, is it coming up? During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, I don't guess it's coming up, and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard that he, this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem... This is speaking of Micah. In the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go to him and worship him. And they had heard, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Isn't that amazing? The star must have been mighty close to the earth. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, and they opened their treasures and presented him gold, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their country by another route. I want to speak today on the pattern of Christmas. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit, not anything that's going to be deep and profound, but it's something that's simplistic that you'll understand and walk out of here and say, wow, I love Christmas. Turn to somebody, shake their hand and say, Pastor, look up here while you're shaking your hand. Preach to us. Preach the word to us. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Pastor, preach the word to us. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Let me leave this place a better person than what I was when I walked in. In the name of the Lord, you may be seated. God bless you. I heard about a negative barber one time that every time somebody came and sat in his chair... He negated everything in life, and he was losing business and didn't know why. You know, a lot of us, we put haircuts off because sometimes we have to be counselor. We have to be uh, somebody that talks it up. When I go get my hair cut, Margie Corman cuts my hair. She's my stylist. She styles my hair. I almost go to sleep because when somebody starts working on this, Sleep comes on me real quick. But this old boy was a, 
he was a negative barber, and he had no boy that never did like to come to him, but he wanted to because he needed, felt like he needed to. He was a family friend. So he told him one day, he said, well, I, I think my wife and I are going to go to Europe in just a few days. And uh, the barber said, well, you won't like Europe. You won't like Europe. He said, the weather's going to be bad in Rome, and you're not going to enjoy it. And said, there's bombing, and there's strife, and there's strikes in London, and you're not even going to get to see the Pope. He said, but he'll probably, you'll probably get to see him, but you won't get an audience with him. You just, you just shouldn't go. About a month later, the same man came back to the barber, and uh, he sat down in the chair, and he said, you didn't take my advice, did you? I heard you went on to Europe. The man said, yeah. And he said, I told you the weather was going to be bad in Rome, didn't I? And he said, how was Rome? And he said, well, you know, Rome was awesome. Rome was beautiful. It's magnificent. It, the, the days that we spent there were phenomenal. He said, I guarantee you saw some bombings and you, uh, you heard of some strife and strikes in London. He said, no, no, London was absolutely the most wonderful time. My soul was refreshed and it was blessed in London. And he said, well, I bet you didn't get to see the Pope. He said, yeah, I did get to see him. I did get to see him. He said, well, really? He said, yeah, and I got an audience with him. He said, really? He said, yeah. And I bowed down before him and he put his hands on my head and he blessed me. He said, oh, really? He said, what did he say? He said, well, he told me that was the lousiest haircut he'd ever seen in his life. <laughs> Way to go, buddy. Two guys was flying in an airplane one day and this 30,000 feet above where they should be, you know, and so they decided to buckle up, and uh, they decided to talk. One of them was an astronomer. The other one was a theologian. And astronomers have always thought, you know, that theologians don't know what they're talking about, and theologians have always felt like that astronomers don't know where they are. That's really the, kind of the, the, the crux of the whole situation. So the astronomer looked at the theologian when they found out who each other was, and he said, you know, I've always felt like you could sum up religion in one phrase. He said, here's that phrase, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that just scalded that theologian, just scalded the fire out of him, just messed him up. And he thought, man, it's a lot deeper than that. So he looked back at the astronomer and he said, well, I've always thought that, you know, you could understand astronomy very simply too. It's twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. <laughs> His flight attendant had to come separate him in a little while. Charles Corral is one of my favorite newsmen, and, and he, travels around, he travels around the world, and he travels around the United States, and he's gone to some unique places. And he visited the mountain people of North Carolina. If you've ever been to the Smoky Mountains, you know that there's some unique people up there. And he claims that the mountain people know things that the rest of us have forgotten in life. For example, at the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve, uh, the mountain people open their windows and open their doors. And they do that so that they can let bad luck out and let good luck in. That's mountain people. On New Year's Day, they eat black-eyed peas for dinner. I think some of us have caught a hold of that. They also do that for good luck. But if they forget to eat their black-eyed peas, they can always look for a red-headed girl riding a white mule. Because that brings good luck also. And that brings good luck any time of the year. I'm just reading it, folks. Another thing that mountain people know that we don't know is that the first 12 days of January correspond with the 12 months of the year. In other words, January the 1st is January. January the 2nd is February. January the 3rd is March and so forth. And on the 5th day of January, whatever the weather is on the 5th day of January in the, in the mountain country 
is what the month of May is going to be like. And what January the 6th is, is what, is what June's going to be like. And they correspond those things. Mountain people, he said, know so many things. He said, it's a wonder those of us who don't know them can get along at all. After all, they say, if, if your nose itches, it means company's coming. Now, we used to do that in Oklahoma. Or if a honeybee's buzzing around your head, that means you're about to find some money. Or <laughs> I thought I was going to get stung. Or if you, if you need to stop a cut from bleeding, just say the sixth verse of the 16th chapter of Ezekiel while watch, walking toward the sunrise. And that verse says, I saw you when you, when you were in your bloody place, and I said unto you, live. I saw you when you were in your blood, and I said unto you, live. And that's what they quote when they see somebody bleeding. I want to ask you, where do you get your good advice from? Where do you get your things from? Some people look to the stars. They say, the last report that I read, and I don't know who the they are. Sometimes I just read these reports, but, but it came out of, a, uh, out of a good place. They say that 88 to 95% of Canadians live by the stars. They live by those things. And they read their horoscopes, many of them daily, and most of them weekly, but they want to find out where they are. I'm not going to ask you here who who reads the horoscope and who checks your life on the horoscope. But I would like to ask you that it, it, it would be a good idea, I think, to get back in the Bible again and start reading the real word of the Lord because there's a lot of people that read the horoscopes that don't ever read the Bible. And people have always wanted to know what the future holds. Stargazers were very popular at the time of Jesus' birth and they were welcomed by kings and they were respected in the marketplace and many of them became quite wealthy. They really did. Um, it, it's an amazing thing how that stargazers became so wealthy because they, they, could, uh, they could say things perhaps that incited passion with people because of how they looked at the stars. But I want to I I I say something just real strong here. Jesus Christ lived not by the guiding of the stars. Jesus Christ's life was guided by three certainties, and I want to preach those certainties to you today. His life was guided by those certainties. He said this, the very first certainty. If you don't believe that I am he, you're going to die in your sins. That's a certainty. Jesus Christ didn't have guesswork. The book of John chapter 8 verse 24 said, If you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. He said it. He said it in John 8 when they were fussing about who he was and where he came from. And the second certainty Jesus lived by was from Matthew 10. He said, if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father in heaven. In other words, not only do you need to know who I am, you need to tell everybody you do know who I am. You need to let people know that you know who I am. And if you don't confess me, I will not confess you. Matthew 10 says, whoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven heaven. Say amen to that. Amen. And then the third certainty Jesus Christ lived by, and I'm going through these real quickly. He said, some will say, Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? And I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. That word there means I never had relation with you. I never had a relationship with you. You use my name and my name has power. You use my name and my name has glory. But you never really had a relationship with me who holds the name of all names. Amen. And so I want to I want to talk to you today because I want to speak about the pattern of Christmas. I want to I want to talk about not only not only knowing Him, 
but believing that he is who he said he was. And I want to confess him in this life right now. And I want to have a relationship with the one that came to save my soul and came to cast me out of of a, a bad place and put my feet on a rock called solid and establish my going. I want to establish a relationship with that God. Amen. And so Matthew 7 said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In thy name have we cast out devils? In thy name done wonderful works? He said, I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And I always wondered what that meant. And God showed me what that means. It means that there was not a relationship. There was not anything. There's a lot of people that know scripture that don't know who the scripture came from. There's a lot of folks can quote the Bible that don't know what the Bible's all about. The Bible's not a novel. It is the inspired word of God. Every scripture is given the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And I believe with all my heart that when you read the word, you're talking and reading what Jesus Christ said, the voice of Almighty God. And you're hearing that word to your life and to your heart. Amen. So, the wise men are men that we talk about. Now, we've called them kings and we've said there's three of them and it's never, there's never anything in the Bible that proves that. Never said they were kings. The Bible never said there's kings. The Bible never said there's just three. They brought three gifts, so I guess we just had three of them. They even got a name for them, and people's named them, and we've had plays about them. And, but there were wise men. There might have been 15 of them. There might have been a crowd of them. But I, I believe with all my heart that wise men came from a long journey. History reveals that they probably came over 1,000 miles because the time they got to where Jesus was, He was living in a house. He was no longer in the stable. He was no longer in a manger. The shepherds worshipped him on the first night, but the wise men came, and he was probably grown up. He might have been even, even history says, maybe a couple of years old. He might have been a little older. He might have been about this tall. He might have been walking around. He might have been already solving puzzles. I don't know. But I do know, I do know that they followed a star. And they kept following that star until they got to a particular place called Jerusalem. And they walked into Jerusalem and sought counsel with King Herod. And when they got in front of him, they said, We are here to look for a new king, a new baby born that's supposed to be born here in Bethlehem. And so Herod brought a bunch of his counsel. He brought his scribes. He brought all of his people that knew the word. And they pulled up the book of Micah and they said, yeah, here it is. It's written that there's going to be a, a king born. There's going to be a son given. There's Isaiah said, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Herod was wroth. And so he brought the, the magi. He brought these wise men to a, a, a secret council chamber by himself. And he said, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go find this baby. I want you to go find him. And when you have found him, come back and get me and I'm going to worship him. Now, this is the same Herod folks that when he heard that Jesus was born, called a huge banquet, he called a huge banquet and had everybody that had a child, a male child, two years and younger come to that banquet. And when they came to that banquet, he took those babies and put them in a nursery. And when they were having a banquet with mom and dad, he killed those babies because he was trying to destroy the seed royal. And the Bible said there was weeping and wailing in Ramah and Rachel calling for her children. Where are they? Because they are not any longer because Herod had destroyed them. But he could not destroy the Christ child. 
I want, I want to go on record here right now and say, oh, many have tried. Many have tried to destroy him through the years, and they even crucified him one time, but he came out of the grave victorious. You're not going to put him under. He's going to take us over because he lives forever. Clap your hands. That's a joy to understand that the God we preach about is alive and well today. That's a joy. That's a joy. Except you believe that I am he, Jesus said. That's a certainty. You shall die in your sins. So the wise men come to Jesus. And they, they bow down before him. And the Bible said they worshiped him. Now, the first thing I want to say is that the pattern of Christmas shows that they answered the first criteria of Jesus Christ's certainty when he said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sin. They saw him as more than a man. They saw him as Messiah. I don't know how much scripture they knew. I don't know how much word they knew. But isn't it amazing how some people that don't know anything, do not know anything about church, do not know anything about God, can walk into the presence of God and before they leave have given their heart to God, have been baptized in water, have received the Lord in their life, and many of them receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their life. Isn't that amazing? They don't know one thing. And people who have been pounded by the word of the Lord all their life walk in and say, well, you know, it's a good place, a pretty good show, but I think I'm going to go on my way. But wise men, the first thing they saw was that we're not bowing down before some ordinary person. A star didn't bring us just to see an ordinary baby. This child is different. They saw him as Messiah. They saw him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords because they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I always thought that I knew what that was all about. Let me explain to you this morning. I thought gold because it was the most precious element in the world and that's what Jesus represented. I thought frankincense because it showed longevity because frankincense is a thing that will last forever and ever. And I thought myrrh because myrrh is a, is, a, is a drug. Even Jesus took it on the cross with vinegar. It's a drug of love and it's a drug that softens the skin and, and it's for healing. But every one of these things they gave Jesus... Gold could be purchased in that time for about $600 a pound. Myrrh could be, I mean, frankincense could be purchased for about $500 American dollars per pound. And myrrh cost $20,000 a pound. And these men did not bring inexpensive things to the Lord. But what they brought to him was all healing elements. Gold is still used today for rheumatoid arthritis. They use this kind of stuff. Gold is used in a lot of areas of healing. Frankincense is used in healing externally. Myrrh is used in healing internally. And so what they were saying to the Messiah, what they were saying to Jesus, is we don't absolutely know who exactly you are. But we just felt like we could bring you something because we just felt when we walked in here a healing come upon us. And we felt like we need to bring you something because you're going to represent more than just normal people. You're not just a prophet. You're going to bring healing. You're going to bring healing for a long time. You're going to bring healing externally. You're going to bring healing internally. You're going to be a healer of the whole world. That's the best they could do. 
because they realized they were in the presence of something more than just a man. I had a preacher one time, a pastor one time. In fact, he was my pastor. When those people came and worshiped the Lord when he was coming in in the triumphant entry and they began to praise him and people said, make these people hold their peace. And Jesus said, if they hold their peace, the rocks will cry out to me. I don't want to be a person that asks somebody to hold their peace when it comes time to giving God his glory and his due. I don't care if you're 65 or 15, it doesn't matter. When you're in the presence of the Lord, he deserves some presence. He deserves some gifts from you. He deserves some heart from you. Come on now. He deserves that. That's what he deserves because he is Messiah. He's more than a man. And he said, if I'll be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He is more than just a man. Say amen to that. He's more than a man. The second thing that they said was they confessed who he was. We are looking, they told Herod, we're looking for someone born king of the Jews. We're looking for a king born. And I'm sure Herod was saying, hey, here I am. They said, no, Herod, the one we're looking for is about this big. He's a little bitty person. But we're not going to, they never worshipped Herod. But they confessed they were going to find the king that was born who they could honor. Here's what I want to tell you. When you can stand in front of a king. That's trying to kill the thing that you're worshiping. You're confessing him. You're confessing him. And he said, if you'll confess me before men in this world, I will confess you one day before my father, which is in heaven, which is, which is just a bottom line to say, hey, you're in church right now. I wonder if you could just clap your hands for a savior today and beside somebody that's saved beside you. If you can do that here, maybe you can do that out yonder. If you can do it here, maybe you can shine your light someplace else. Go, oh, clap your hands. Confessing, He is Lord of our lives. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ma, 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 ma. Amen, amen, amen. You know, I'm so, I don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding cocky, but I am so confident with what I have in Jesus Christ. I think everybody I see that doesn't have this needs this. Is that all right to say that? I, I am not a shrinking violet when I walk out of this pulpit. I'm better out there than I am in here. And you know why? Because I want everybody to know that there's something greater that I have, that they need, that I can share with them. It's not their autograph that I need. It's the Savior that I have that they need. It's not some kind of favor from them that I need. It's a Jesus that I can give them. That's what it's about. You've got to confess your heavenly Father. You've got to confess Jesus to people, and he'll not deny you. I'm a, I, I get a little worried sometimes with people 
that are one thing in the church and something else out of the church. You know, well, you know, that's my church life. Really? Really? That's your church life? Really? Yeah, that's what I do on Sunday. Man, you ought to see me on Monday. I'm a bad man on Monday. You know, I buried one of my dear friends this year, Bum Phillips, and he was my buddy. You know what? You know what absolutely just blessed that man? I went out and see him one day, and uh, Bum had not been baptized at that time. I went out and see him one day. He wasn't feeling real good. And uh, I said, Bum, I brought something for you. He said, what's that, preacher? I said, I brought some faith for you today. He said, well, give me some of it. Preacher, so I went over. I said, do you mind if I just take my liberty with you right now? He said, don't mind at all. I laid hands on Bum Phillips. God touched his body and touched his spirit. Bum raised his hands, and the Holy Ghost came on him. The Spirit of God came on him. I, I, I was reluctant to tell that story, but I think it's a good Christmas story because it actually happened. He raised his hand, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And here's what happened after that. He never allowed me to come see him again without me praying for him again and again and again. Because somewhere, you've got to know that the power that's in you is greater than any Herod that's in front of you. The power that's in you is greater than any force that's coming before you. The power that's in you is greater than any element that can try to stop you. The power that's in you is more mighty, more awesome than anything you will ever face in your life. You need to confess Jesus to people that don't know him. So he'll confess you before his father, which is in heaven. Oh, I could preach on that now. Amen. People that love God and worship God in church go to restaurants and they can't even be kind to waitresses. People that come to church and on Monday morning use language that Jesus Christ would blush if he was in their presence, but he hears it. I'm here to tell you something. It's time for the church not to be the church just enclosed. The church has got to be the church disopened. I mean, disclosed. We've got to open up. We've got to give it away. We've got to give it away. We've got to share this everywhere we go. Not preaching, but living it. Just living it. And the wise men, they did that. He said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. And the third thing they did, they did. They did more than just leave there and say, okay, we're going to use his name and we're going to say, wow, was in the presence of Jesus Christ. We're going to do that. The next thing they did, the first thing really they did, but I used it for the last point, is that they worshiped him. The first thing they did was build a relationship with the God of heaven that robed himself in the flesh. They built a relationship. The wise men gave gifts to secure that relationship, but they worshiped him. Now watch this. And the Bible said being warned in a dream, they went home another way. Can I just stop and say, if you ever get on that worship train, if you ever get on that worship train, you'll never go home the same way again. There's a powerful scripture. 
There's a powerful scripture in Ezekiel chapter 46 and 9. And I'm not putting it on the screen, but it says, When you come to the solemn assembly to worship, and you enter by the way of the south gate, and you worship, you will leave by the way of the north gate. And if you come by the way of the north gate to worship, you'll leave by the way of the south gate. What he's saying is, when you worship, you never go home the same way you came. And so even on this Sunday morning, three days before Christmas, I think it would be very wise of us. I think it would be very noble of us. Not just to bring gifts of offering and tithes and things like that. Not just to say, I confess you out there to the world. But I think it'd be very, very germane today to open up our hearts and clap our hands and say, you know what, Lord, I want more than just your name for power. I want more than just an identification mark on my life. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to worship you every day of my life. I want to magnify you every moment that I live. I want to bless your name at all times. I want to praise you continually because you are my God. Hallelujah. You are my God. You are my God today. Woo. Woo. Hallelujah. 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 I don't want to just use your name. I don't want to just exploit people with your name. I want to be a pastor that has a relationship. That understands that I love a God that I'm preaching about. I love a Christ that I'm presenting today. He's been my best friend. Everywhere I go, I went to Cavender's yesterday or Friday and bought these boots. And I went to the car and I cried. I'm just a ball baby at this time of the year. I just cry. I'm so blessed. We're so blessed. We are so blessed. The old boy is waiting on me, true cowboy mustache and all. He probably rides bulls all the time. I said, sir, I'm not a cowboy, but I am a man, so I want you to understand I'm a man. He got so tickled at that. I said, I pastor a church across the street here. You ever been there? And he said, no. I said, you need to make it a habit. You, live, you work right here. You need to come to church. A lot of people give out cards. I just put my arm around them and say, I need you at church. You need to come on to church. But he said, you know... You know, he started calling me pastor. He said, you know, pastor, he said, now that you, I know who you are, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit. I said, okay. This is cute. He said, I'm going to talk to you. He said, I, you know, I used to wake up real mad all the time. I said, I, I, got, a, I got a mad problem. He said, I thought I had a mad demon. He said, is that possible? I said, well, I, I guess you'd scare one up every now and then, you know. I, I don't want to get real revelation-y on them. I want to be you know, I want to be above. I, I want to laugh a little bit. I don't want to say, now, buddy, let me tell you, I need to lay hands on you right now. You, you got a dressing room we go, I, I go cast that devil out right now. <laughs> he said, but, but a, little, a, little, a little lady come in here, an older woman came in here not long ago and said, she said, I ought to wake up every morning just saying thank you. I said, thank who? She said, Him. And you know me, I said, you got a name for him? Well, the Lord. I said, that's good. Thank the Lord. 
I said, I said, that's good. I said, let me give you a scripture. He said, okay. He said, I'm not good at scripture. I said, do you read the Bible? Never. He said, never. I said, let me give you a scripture. I said, this is the day the Lord's made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. He said, I like that. What would you say? It? Say it again. <laughs> this is the day. This is the day. The Lord has made. The Lord has made. I'll rejoice. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. We did that about 15 times while I was trying on these boots. And it's an amazing thing. The line was about 40 yards long. And I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm supposed to go meet some people. I was going to meet some precious saints here in this church for lunch yesterday. And I just want to be with them to encourage them. And they're in church today. And I love them very much. And I said, I, I'm going to be late. So I'll have to come back and get these boots. And he said, stay right there, sir. So he, he went up to the cash register. And he came back. He said, sir, we can make that exchange right now. Come on. And I said, I don't Exchange? He said, shh, sir, shh, shh, shh. He said, he said, I want to get you up front of the line. I had to use that word. Did I cheat by going up there? So I'm walking out the door and he said, this is the day the Lord has made. to worship him today somebody needs to worship him today somebody needs to worship him today Woo! come on come on come on he's Messiah I'm going to confess him before men of this world and I'm going to worship him 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 Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give him the hand clap and the praise that he deserves right now. Come on. All over the house. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.